Alright everybody, welcome back to Squad Tactica. My name is Sugi and we are going to be talking all about Warhammer Kill Team. And it's been a very exciting last couple of weeks because we have just come out of the Christmas and holiday season. We're going into New Year's and I have already seen on lots of different forums, on Reddit, on Facebook, that there are a lot of new players who are coming into the hobby. So this episode is dedicated to you, the new players who are coming in. I would love to say from the bottom of my heart, welcome to Kill Team. This, I mean, this has been a wild ride for me. Uh, Kill Team has gotten me back into the miniature hobby in full force. I'm actually playing some 8th edition games with my buddy Dave, who I've talked about on lots of different episodes. We're still playing Kill Team. Um, but I've expanded in my knowledge of different armies, different models, um, painting, using different tools. And so I'm just going to talk a little bit about some of the, the tips and tricks and things that I've learned over the course of this last year with Kill Team to help prep you, the new players who are coming in. Because there's a lot of people asking a lot of questions and they're all very good. And I'm hoping that this episode can just kind of be a generic overall uh, culmination of you know some of your next steps, some tips, some tricks, um, some things to look out for while you're you know just starting to play the game that those of us who have been playing for a while have already experienced, so you don't get caught with your pants down, and just you know having a lot of fun with Kill Team. So let's just get right into the show. I want to give a huge shout out to both of our sponsors, uh, Battlefoam. Check them out at battlefoam.com. They protect my armies, my Kill Team. I love all of their quality stuff. Um, their bags are just fantastic and they have amazing prices for all of their stuff. So definitely check out battlefoam.com and Discount Games Inc. You can get 15% off all of your purchases. They specialize in miniature stuff. So they have like Warhammer, uh, Privateer Press, um, all kinds of different stuff. But, you know, for the sake of this podcast, they have all of the Warhammer stuff you'll ever need at 15% off. And if you want to get more, you can email Jay at Discount Games Inc. and let him know Suki sent you. He can actually tell you how you can get a bigger discount on your Warhammer purchases. So send him an email, uh, let him know I sent you, ask, you know, how does all that work? And he'll give you the rundown on what you need to do and how all that stuff works. But uh, Discount Games Inc. is where I've bought all of my Warhammer stuff since they've been sponsoring the show. And it's been fantastic. They are very fast with shipping great communication. Um, the boxes come in mint condition. So I saw pictures on Facebook for Christmas that, you know, FedEx and USPS and some of these places that pack the boxes, they came damaged. And it's like, oh my goodness. Um, when I've worked with Discount Games Inc., they put, you know, great packaging. They put foam. Um, they'll put the bubble, the big air bubble things. Like every time I've opened a box from from Discount Games Inc. Like, it's just been phenomenal. Everything is well-protected, comes in mint condition, and it's super, super fast. So I, I definitely recommend checking out both of those sponsors of the show. I believe in them. I think they have great products. And based on what I've heard from the people who've listened to the show, they've enjoyed working with both Battlefoam and Discount Games Inc. So I highly recommend those two sponsors. And, you know, if you've never heard of them, check them out. Um, you know, always support your local game store. But if you have a little extra money to spend, uh, if you're looking to get a nice big discount, because I know myself too, uh, we all have a little bit of uh, extra money in our pockets because of Christmas gift money. So if you're looking to pick up a new kill team or expand the one you've already got, definitely, ch or you know, you're looking for a case to protect your new kill team that you just happen to get during the holiday season, you know, check out Battlefoam, check out Discount Games Inc., and uh, you know, have some fun with that. So. Uh, we're going to jump right in. I'm going to talk about hobby stuff, then I'm going to talk about gaming stuff. So I've actually picked up quite a few uh, tools and doodads over the holiday season. And for those of you who are brand new, I just want to talk about a couple of these things. Um, you can find them, like I said, on Discount Games Inc. You can also find them at your local shop or you know on the Games Workshop website. Um, but the very first thing I want to talk about that I've been using ever since it came out, and I think anyone listening to this show should absolutely own one of these things and that is the painting handle um just very very simplistic it's a handle that you put your miniature in now i'm not talking about the xl painting handle that's 12 bucks i'm talking about the small one for minis that are on uh 25 32 and 40 millimeter bases i, I believe it's like eight dollars msrp um I, I got mine for much, much cheaper than that, but 
Um, this this thing makes painting your mini so easy. It's ridiculous. You don't have to hold the mini with your fingers. You don't have to use sticky tape and you know stick it on a cork or a, a bottle or a lid or anything. Uh, the painting handle is very very tough. It's made of plastic. Um, the little grip opens up, so they've got grooves for each individual millimeter size, like I just talked about. Uh, if you need the XL handle, it's specifically built for much bigger models. So we're talking about things like um, dreadnoughts. It says here on the website, it's a 50 millimeter to 105 millimeter diameter. So if you're, you know, working with bigger models, then you know you can do that. Um, but uh, I, I highly recommend the uh, the paint handle. There is an $18 version that comes with these little arms. I'm not using it. So that's all I have to say about that. I've never used it. I've never thought that was interesting. But uh, the paint handle is an excellent, and I mean excellent addition to your hobby stuff for, like I said, it's like 8 bucks. Um, very, very minimal investment. Uh, there's also the Citadel water pot. I've been enjoying this. It's a nice, big... Um, pot. My favorite things about this, there's some grooves in the back that you can run your paintbrush through and it brings the tip to a fine point, which is really fun and really easy to do uh, because in the olden days, when I was your age, back in the old days, um, you'd have to like take the brush, dip it in the water and then roll it. So you can either roll it on like uh, your finger or you can roll it on a wet uh, palette or whatever you have. And uh, using the, the, the water pot makes it a lot easier. This pot is $8. Uh, it's nice and big, which I you can also paint it. So it's this kind of uh, neutral gray. Uh, I've seen a lot of people online that they've painted it to their own you know favorite color, their favorite chapter. Um, there's just a lot of really cool things that this has to offer for you know not much money. So if you don't have a paint pot already, um, get yourself one. Now, when I say a paint pot, you can just you know go to Walmart and buy literally anything that you can hold water in so it doesn't have to be a citadel paint pot i just like using it because it's big it holds a lot of water and it's got some cool features um but you know if you're just starting the hobby and you're like well i just got these minis and i'm not exactly sure where i'm supposed to go you know you're gonna need some brushes you're gonna need some paints you will need a paint pot uh it doesn't really matter which one you get but i think the citadel paint pot's worth your money um the next thing i got i did get some fine detail cutters now the citadel ones are 33 bucks I got um, army painter ones for 10 now it doesn't really matter what your detail cutters are you just want to make sure that they're built for um, plastic kits and hobby kits specifically um, you can look at these detail cutters and go oh I probably have one of these in my tool shed well you know they might they might be crimpers for like electrical cables they might be for wires so you want to make sure that you get detail cutters for plastic um, spruce. Now it doesn't matter who you get. It doesn't matter where you get them from. I'm just I'm I'm on the Citadel website right now, like going through all the things I just picked up, and what I think are definitely necessary for people who want to get, you know, the most out of that Kill Team hobby experience. So get yourself some fine deal detail cutters. Like I said, I got mine from the Army Painter. Um, Ten bucks. It does the same thing that the Citadel ones do. I've yet to hear if the Citadel ones are like so much better that they're worth three times the price. Uh, but do get your detail cutters because I have saved an infinite amount of time cutting my models out of the sprues as opposed to using an X-Acto knife. Uh, and that is the next thing I want to talk about. There is an X-Acto knife on the Citadel website that's 32 bucks. Don't buy that. Buy an X-Acto knife. It's $2 at Walmart. Um, the real the real reason you need the X-Acto knife, so originally I was using the X-Acto knife to cut my models off of spruce. That gets the job done, uh, but the detail cutters are not only faster, I think they're a lot closer. So what I've been using the Citadel knife, the X-Acto knife for, is pulling off the little nubs of plastic that are still on the model. So like if you cut off, for example, like a leg, if you use an X-Acto knife or a detail cutter, um, you're still going to have a little bit of plastic on, little little nub on that piece that you pulled off the sprue. So what I've been doing is using the Citadel knife in conjunction, well, the X-Acto knife, in conjunction with the Citadel mold line remover to get the plastic off and get rid of mold lines on my model so that when I spray paint them, it's a nice, flat, smooth surface. You don't kind of see like the molding lines on the kneecap. So something that's very common, for those of you who don't know, um, when you print these um, plastic pieces, imagine like a 3D printer, there's going to be a mold line somewhere. And generally, for the sake of example, say you were to take your knee 
and you put it in a cast and then you were to create a plastic copy of your knee and you know you're creating this plastic version of yourself that you're going to paint and turn into a space marine well generally you're going to take you know a left side and a right side piece cover your knee to get the um appropriate i don't know what you call it um plastic mold and then you would fill it with plastic but the thing is there's going to be a line right down the middle of your knee where the two pieces were put together it's the same thing for the models on a space marine or a towel or whatever you're playing there's going to be a mold line somewhere where they put these two things together to form the the plastic mold that they you know injected and created this model so the citadel knife the exacto knife whatever you want to call it um pulls off the plastic where you cut these you know pieces off the sprue um the citadel mold line remover now here's an interesting thing i wasn't able to find anything that duplicated this and this is only it's 1750 i know people are gonna say oh my god sugi that's really expensive hear me out on this I bought this like a week and a half ago and I will never look back. So what this thing does, it looks stupid. I'm not gonna lie. It looks ridiculous for the money you're paying, but it's made my models look a hundred million times better. So the Citadel mold line remover is proprietary. So you have to get it from Citadel unless, you know, someone's listening can, you know, leave me a message and say there's something that um, is an off-brand uh, mold line remover that does the same thing. Uh, basically what it does is you can apply just a smidgen of pressure and it scratches off that mold line so now your knee your head whatever piece of your your model you get rid of that line running down the middle it's nice and flat and smooth and when you put the spray paint on when you start applying layers you don't have this like long line running down the middle of the barrel of your gun and it looks kind of dorky because you're like well this looks weird like there's like this little piece of plastic popping up that's in a straight line that is a mold line so what you can do is if you don't feel like spending all that money and you're like well i don't want to spend 1750 on a mold line remover you can use an exacto knife and very gently you scrape in reverse so generally when you cut you would cut towards yourself like you're peeling an apple um, the problem with cutting in that direction is it's very easy to cut deep into the plastic of the miniature and now you have these this giant gash um, so what you can do, it does take a little bit of practice and it takes a little bit of patience. You can scrape away from yourself using the blade very gently and you can still get rid of that mold line. But the nice thing about the um, Citadel mold line remover is it's not sharp and you just use the edges and there's a little bit of a curve at the bottom. So the, there's a, a short curve part and then there's a long part. So what you can do is you can use the long part to get rid of mold lines on flat surfaces like weapons backpacks things like that and then you can use the curved surface to get rid of mold lines on helmets knees the back of legs power armor anything that's a little bit more curved in nature so i highly recommend this as a purchase um, to make your models look really good for the the painting um aspect of you know the hobby aspect of the game uh, there's also a citadel file set it's 21 bucks just get a file set wherever you want i got army painters it was like another ten dollars you get three different uh files you get a flat one a circular one and a triangle one uh the citadel file sets 21 bucks uh you get oh you get a rough and a fine file so once again like citadel makes the tools you want but i generally use them as a reference point to tell people hey there's a bunch of files that citadel makes but Buy them somewhere else because i sincerely don't think citadel has like the market on the best file set in the world and you should pay 21 dollars for two i think you can buy a file set from literally wherever you want just like the citadel knife buy a two dollar exacto knife and some extra blades for like i think extra blades at walmart are like two dollars woo you know sp spend <laughs> buy the exacto knife for two dollars spend the rest of those those dollars on getting a mold line remover because that thing is amazing but yeah don't don't spend 20 but 30 32 freaking dollars on an exacto knife do not do that um what else okay so here's a more advanced thing i did buy a citadel drill uh years ago so i have the old one with the foam uh foam core back the new one they have it looks like um plastic like a ugly diamond anyways it's 26 dollars. like i said uh army painter has one for like i think 10 or 12 dollars the the concept behind a drill 
is magnetizing. Now, this is a more advanced topic, but the premise is when you buy a kit, for example, um, let's talk about, I know Space Wolves very well, so you buy a Grey Hunter's kit, and you can have a bolt gun arm, you can have a bolt pistol arm, you can have a chainsword arm, you can have a plasma gun arm, you can have a flamer arm, you can have a chainsword arm, power sword, uh, power fist, blah, 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 blah. So you have all of these weapon loadouts, buildouts, options. The reason you have a drill, the Citadel drill in this instance, is twofold. One, you can bore holes in your models and then the arms themselves and then you glue a magnet into each so you would glue a magnet into like the left arm um socket on a space wolf and then you would have a bunch of left arms magnetized so you can swap out your bolter for a bolt pistol or a chain sword or a power sword or a power fist and so you can essentially utilize all these little bits you have on your sprue um, instead of saying you know for example if you glue everything you could make a mistake the meta could change an errata could happen an update could come to light and your power fist is now more expensive or your bolt gun is not as useful or your power sword is really really ridiculously overpowered well you don't really want to go back to an older model and like break off the arm to glue on a new arm that's a old-fashioned way to fix it but if you have a drill like I was saying earlier you can bore out little holes put little magnets in and then magnetize your your models now it's more common to use on say things bigger things like tanks dreadnoughts flyers because most of the weapons on those things are much much bigger in comparison to like one arm with a pistol or something like that but uh, the point is this is a more advanced thing but if you want to get yourself a drill and some magnets it is actually really fun to magnetize your armies um, my orc killicans are magnetized all my tanks are magnetized my dreadnoughts are magnetized so basically i can just pop on oh i want a flamethrower oh i need a heavy bolter oh i need a cyclone missile launcher like that allows me to utilize all of the weapons in that kit for that model. Um, I have hundreds of gray knights. I'm sorry, uh, gray hunters, and I have a mag I have a multitude of different loadouts. So personally, I'm not nearly as worried about magnetizing my troops just because I have a loadout for each and every possibility. Um, but I will say for kill team, if you're looking at one specific army and you're like, hey. I'm gonna buy Death Guard, but I don't really want to buy like you know 30 models. I just want to play with like one box and some pox walkers. Buying a, a drill might be worth your time because you can swap out some of the weapons, some of the loadouts, and your kill team becomes a little bit more flexible without spending more money on the models themselves. Now, to each their own. Some people would say, Sugi, I'd rather buy the models, and some people would rather magnetize them. It's up to you. I have this tool, and I love it very much, but it's not for everyone. I can just recommend it. Um, there's a saw. I don't know what that does. I don't use it, so I can't say much about it. Um, I will say I did talk about this a little bit earlier, a wet palette. It doesn't really matter where you get it from. Mine is from Citadel. Theirs is like $9. It's a Oh, no, I'm sorry. I have a P3 wet palette and have a regular Citadel palette um, because they're you know very inexpensive. But uh, both have very useful applications for your painting, regardless of what you do. I absolutely, absolutely recommend find yourself a palette. Once again, does not have to be Citadel branded, but make sure you have a palette of some sort. Don't use <laughs> when I first started, I, I was using like paper towels. I was using like Ziploc bags. I was trying to, you know, find things that would keep the paint uh, available, but not dry it out too quickly. And I can say without a doubt, find yourself a palette will save your life. You can go to Hobby Lobby and get some that are, you know, for whatever uh, acrylic paints. Are. It, like, like I said, it doesn't really matter what kind of palette you get. Just get yourself a palette. I like the branded ones for miniatures and hobby war games because they're specifically designed for this hobby. They are more expensive. I don't deny that fact, but they're easily accessible if you're at a war game shop as opposed to, you know, you might not want to go to a Hobby Lobby. There might not be a Hobby Lobby close to you and Walmart doesn't really have high quality painting supplies. So it's a little bit of give, a little bit of take. But if you're listening, these are some of the tools I highly recommend for the hobby aspect of the game because I think having a well-painted army, a well-concocted, you know, a good-looking army on the tabletop just feels amazing. Uh, it's It feels really, like, 
there's nothing wrong with a gray army. Like, I, you assemble them, you just put them together on their base, and you're playing with them. Like, there's literally nothing wrong with it. Um, but I think anyone who's played for a long period of time can back me up. It feels really magical, the, like, the first time you put down that army and it's fully painted, and you're just kind of moving it down the tabletop, and it looks really cool. It just feel like you just have this pride and this excitement when you're fully painted, you know, Plague Marines or Space Wolves or whatever hit the table. And you're like, yeah, all right, here we go. Time to kill them. Um, and I think, you know, using some of these tools, like I said, using the detail cutters, using your X-Acto knives and your, your mold and remover, just making those models as sharp as humanly possible adds to that experience, uh, both in the hobby aspect and in the gaming aspect. And that's something I just super enjoy. I think it's well worth the time and investment. Um, something else before we get into actually playing the game, you should absolutely go to the warhammercommunity.com forward slash FAQs. There has been a FAQ for uh, Kill Team and a designer commentary uh, PDF document. I'm not going to go through all the things in those documents you should look at for yourself. But the reason I bring those up is there are some adjustments to the game that are not in the core rulebook. Um, I'm not honestly sure if they reprinted the rulebook with the adjustments. I do believe if you get the digital version, those are updated automatically. But if you have like the print version like I do, you'd actually have to go online and either print out the errata or remember it or just uh, write it down in your book just to remember, hey, some of these things are a little bit different. And uh, for the most part, it does keep the game in a much tighter formation so things don't get out of control. Um, but if this is the first time you've listened and you've just gotten into Kill Team, you're not exactly sure what I'm talking about. Like I said, go to warhammercommunity.com forward slash FAQs. Uh, basically, if you go to the warhammercommunity.com webpage, at the very top in the middle is a giant Warhammer community banner. On the right hand side of that is a little link that says FAQ and useful things. You go there. You scroll down a little bit, and then there's a Warhammer 40,000 button next to, there's a Age of Sigmar on the far left, and then Warhammer 40,000. Click that, scroll down, like, uh, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven rows, and on the right-hand side it says, uh, Kill Team, colon, core manual. There's an errata button, designer's commentary button. Check those out. Make sure you're up to code. Very simple. It's free. Uh, so you can print those out if you need to. You don't have to, you know, pay anything extra to get your hands on that. Uh, but if you're brand new or you haven't read them before, definitely check those out. Um, they're very important to, you know, staying up to date with all of the um, changes that went on in the FAQ and the commentary. And the last non-gaming thing I'm going to recommend, um, I'm not sponsored by Battlescribe. Um, I wasn't paid for this. Like, I'm just saying, like, as a fan, check out Battlescribe. This is an app you can get on Google Play, the App Store, your phone, uh, Windows, Mac OS, Universe. Like, there's literally no reason you shouldn't get this app for whatever platform you're on. It's even on Linux. But this, what this is, it's a, um, it's a fan-run application that takes into account um, it's basically a list builder, but it takes into account all the rules, takes into account all the updates, all the FAQs. So what you can do is like, I have it on my phone. I can build a, a kill team list. It has, um, the weapon loadouts. It has the point costs. It has everything. I can just go in, um, pick out, Hey, I want to build a, an IG army, put some models in, give them specialists, abilities, all that stuff. Um, the app doesn't have all the rules in it, so you're going to have to, like, you, you, the way they get around people not using the app over the rulebook is you have to know what these things are. It's more or less a, um, a tool to build your lists faster, so instead of, like, you know, handwriting it or using a calculator, you know, just doing it the old-fashioned way, if you have the book in front of you, you can just say, okay, I want to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this, and you'll have to remember what some of the special effects are, but the app makes your life so much easier because once you build a list, if you decide, okay, well, I don't want this model, I want to change it for something else, instead of building an entirely new list, you can just swap one model out. You can swap a weapon loadout. You can just make minor adjustments. You can name them. You can do basically whatever you need. Like Battlescribe, check it out. Battlescribe.net is where you need to go to check out 
all the information I'm talking about. Uh, you can get it on your phone, like I said, on the App Store or on Google Play. doesn't cost anything. You can support them and get rid of ads for, I think it's like $2 a year or something, um, which I'm doing right now because why not? That's like pennies on the dollar. But um, I've been using Battlescribe for a long, long time, but they've uh, brought 8th Edition into the application. They brought Kill Team into the application. They've got great updates. They're very fast if anything changes with an errata or a ruling or something. So, you know, for those of you who are listening who are brand new, this is a tool I really recommend because once you start building lists, it's really fun. It's very addictive to build lists over and over and over. However, when I was doing it with my notepad and pen and paper or on my phone or in some kind of, you know, app where I could type everything out, it does take a long time to type out, okay, here is my specialist with this ability, and here's the weapon load I'm going to give it. With Battlescribe, you can just go in and click, 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 boom, you're done. And then when you're finished, you can print out the the overall loadout sheet, and it's got everything you need. It's very simple. It's very efficient. And I think uh, for newer players, this is a tool everyone should absolutely be using. So that's all I have to say about the hobby side and prepping for um, your you know first experiences inside of Kill Team because it's a very exciting thing. Um, it's a different game. Warhammer 8th Edition is this big macro, very exciting, very expansive you know battle between giant armies. Kill Team is this very uh, intimate skirmish game where. Everything you do is important. The way you move, the way you shoot, the, the targets you prioritize, the weapon loadouts you bring, it's all very important. It's all very valuable. There's not many times I've played a game where I felt like a specific unit was just a waste of time or why did I bring that? Everyone has their place and everyone has a purpose. And as you begin to play the game and as you become more experienced as a you know general in this game, I believe that you're going to see and understand the beauty of Kill Team in how how intricate it is, and it asks a lot out of the, the general. You don't have nearly as much leeway to make mistakes. You don't have nearly as much forgiveness um, if you you know position yourself poorly or you don't take the proper risk to try and grab a capture pointer. You know, whatever. There's There's a lot of different situations that aren't very clear on the surface and as you begin to play you you start to find these little uh these little intricacies that kind of pop and you go wow that that is impressive you know good job games workshop and you you just have this really amazing game that isn't super long but is still very complex and very satisfying to play so, uh, for those of you who are brand new, I'm just going to go over the six different phases and what you should expect from them. Um, there's a lot of little, like I said, a lot of little nuances that uh, new players might not pick up on as they're um, looking at the rule book and getting their feet wet. Because, you know, the first game, first couple, probably the first 10 or 15 games I played, um, there's a lot of things I missed. And I would get caught off guard. Or I was like, well, I didn't know that was in the rule book. Or I, I didn't even think that was a strategy. So I'm going to cover some of these things. Uh, number one is the initiative phase at the start of each phase. Or at the start of each round. Uh, you roll off to see who goes first. Uh, this is pretty straightforward. You just roll 2d6. Whoever goes higher um, gets to go first. Um, the only real thing I can say about this that I learned a long, long time ago, you do want to set yourself up for success. You do want to position yourself where if you go first, you're in a really good spot. Um, but you don't want to bet everything on winning the initiative because if you don't and you just die or you lose critical models, uh, that's not worth it. So you want to try and be in a 50-50 position where if you win the initiative phase, you can take out critical pieces or set yourself up for critical um, objectives, capture points, positioning, um, but not so much invested in the initiative phase that if your opponent gets it, you've either lost the game or you're going to just be a, take a huge setback that's going to make your life miserable. Um, I initially, I was trying to just alpha strike and just be like, all right, I have to get the initiative. If I get the initiative, I win. If I don't, I probably lose. 
that doesn't make for great games. It does feel fun. It does feel good if you get the initiative. And you're like, all right, here we go. I'm going to win. Um, but those are few and far between. Uh, you you generally are, it's a 50-50. You either are or are not the first player. Um, you don't want to set yourself up. But I guess what I'm saying is in that 50-50 of you are or are not the first player, you kind of want to hedge your bets for your kill team that you either are in a good place or not in a good place at a 50-50 ratio. You don't want to be, you know, 90-10 where if I get initiative, 90% of me is going to do well and 10% of me is going to suffer and then you don't get the initiative. You don't get the initiative and you're like, "All right, well, 90% of my guys are out in the open and they're going to get shot and I'm not in a great place to capture points, I'm not in a great place to contest points. I have terrible uh, battlefield control." Crap. Um, try and keep, you know, try and hedge your bets wisely, but don't you know don't set yourself up for failure if one phase just goes sour um that's like the best advice i can possibly give is be wise take necessary risks but don't screw yourself over uh movement phase is pretty straightforward you can move over train you can move forward you can move upwards backwards uh there are some things i'm not going to read everything but there are some rules about fly um read those and when you play your opponent, find out what flies because there are some stealth suits in the Tau list that can fly. And uh, there's some very special abilities that they have that you should know about. So, you know, do your homework. Uh, normal move, you can move near enemy models. Falling back. Now, here, this is one I've been learning about since probably about game six. So the way falling back works is uh, when you pick a model to move, if that model started the movement phase within one inch of an enemy model, it cannot make a normal move. Instead, it can either remain stationary or fall back. Model cannot fall back if an enemy model charged it, blah, 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 blah. So basically, you can um, fall back and move yourself out of um, melee range. So if you're within one inch of an enemy model and you go into the fight phase, you fight, you, you go into melee combat. Uh, but at the start of the next round, you can fall back. Why is this important? Well, oh, I guess I should probably preface with this. Uh, if a model falls back, it cannot advance, charge, react, like an Overwatch, can't be readied in that phase. A model falls back, cannot shoot later in the battle, unless it can fly. So this kind of falls back to, haha, pun in, I guess pun unintendedly intended. Um, but this falls back to what I was saying earlier about there's some, you know, little things here in the rule book that people you know glaze over because they go oh none of my models can fly i don't really care about this flyers can fall back then they can shoot you okay another thing with falling back imperial guard can fall back and then take an order to shoot you also um what's interesting about falling back is if you're in melee combat with someone uh, they can't shoot you and they can't shoot the opponent so and old, 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 and this is Sugi talking way, way back in the day when I used to play 5th edition. Uh, um, one of the tricks you could do was you would lock com you, you would lock powerful units in melee combat so you couldn't get shot. So it was an offensive and defensive trick. So offensively, you would run in a unit that was really good in melee, but not great with you know dealing with ranged combat. You'd run them in, get them into melee, lock your opponent down, you would win melee combat, and then they wouldn't really be able to kill you, they might deal a wound or two in return, but your your unit was fine, you have like five or six, ten models, you run in, you kill a bunch of little bodies, and then they like throw a wound or two at you, and you just schlep it off with your armor safe, and then you go into the next round, you do it all over again, and your guys would be essentially protected from uh, enemy fire, you know, ranged weapons, because they can't shoot you when you're in melee combat. Okay, moving into Kill Team and an 8th edition, um, the, you can't really do that anymore. You can't just run your model down the field, run into melee combat and go, all right, we're going to be in combat for the rest of the game. So my 10-point guy, uh, as long as I roll high enough, can just lock out your 200-point guy. Uh, of course, in you know Kill Team, it's 100 points. So, you know, for example, you could run your, you know, five, four, five-point, um, you know, uh, Imperial Guardsman into, you know, this 20-point Space Marine, and we're just going to sit here for a couple turns, so that doesn't work anymore. With Falling Back, you can fall back. Your model, uh, unless you have a special ability or fly, they can't do anything, so they can't move, they can't shoot, they can't charge, you can't do anything, but... 
The rest of your models can return retaliate. They can shoot back at your opponent. Why does this matter? The reason it matters, and this kind of goes back to initiative, like I was saying earlier, say for example, turn one, I'm a Space Wolf player, you're a uh, Tau player, because for some reason everyone hates the Tau, uh, that was my first army, followed by Space Wolf, so I'm very impartial to the Tau and the Space Wolf, so I'm a Space Wolf player, charge you on turn one, boom, we're in melee combat, I don't kill you, you don't kill me, nothing happens, we just rolled garbage, then we go into round two. This is where initiative and falling back are kind of funky. So if the Space Wolf player goes first, there's a couple things you can do to avoid the falling back. Number one, you can charge with a different model into the combat between my first Space Wolf and your first Tau. If you charge in, your opponent can't fall back. All right, I, I hope you that, that makes sense. So basically on turn one, Space Wolf model number one charge Tau guy, they're in combat. Then in round two, Space Wolf model number two charges in, so it's two on one versus this Tau guy. And this is kind of one of those subtle things you need to check in the rule book. So falling back states, a model cannot fall back if an enemy model finished a charge move within one inch of it in the same phase. So if you go first, you can charge with a second model, lock down this, this threat you're trying to get rid of. You have a you know two for one, they can't run away, that's good. However, if you go second, that is not good because if the Tau goes first, they can fall back and that's bad for you. It's very bad for you. Now, don't get me wrong. You can still charge the model that fell, fell back um, if it has fly. Once again, all these different rules. Um, what I'm trying to get at is the worst situation that you can be in is you, you charge, turn one with your Space Wolf guy into the Tau guy, and then you go first in the you know subsequent round, round two, and you don't have anyone to charge. So your model in the movement phase is stuck, and then when the Tau player moves, when it's their turn to move, they fall back with their Tau guy, and your Space Wolf is out in the open, can't move, can't charge, can't do anything, and it's about to get shot up, and there's nothing you can do. So this is a very, very sneaky strategy that you need to be very aware of. It happens all the time. Um, you just have to be be cognizant that if you're going to charge in, make sure that you know, you're know you either protected by some stuff that obscures you, there's a second model that you can use to charge to protect your guy, um, you're not just out in the open all by yourself, you're easy cannon fodder. There's, there's a lot of uh, very unique strategies in the game, and this is one of the ones I found out very early on, like, if I have no way to stop someone from falling back, I really need to be careful that my model is protected or it's got something that's going to keep it alive because um, when you're basically, when, you, when you're just left out in the middle of the field, it feels really bad. So um, do be aware of how falling back works. Be aware that the Imperial Guard can shoot you back. Flyers can shoot you back. Um, there's, there's just a lot of different ways to use falling back as a um, powerful strategic tool that uh, newer players may or may not quite understand, but um, yeah, you should use it wisely. Uh, moving on, we're still in the movement phase. Charging, um, something that's of importance and value. If you want to charge someone, you just have to be within 12 inches of the model. You don't have to have line of sight based on rules as written. Um, and your opponent, when they overwatch, they can only shoot you if you're in range and in line of sight. So something you can do as a you know smart tactician is if someone is behind a wall, move up to that wall so they can't see you and then hit them with a charge and there's nothing they can really do to stop you because they can't see you. You just run around the corner and boom, you've got them. Um, there's a, like I said, there's a lot of other different things, but you, that's like the, the nuts and bolts of the movement phase that I found to be um, the most surprising in terms of rules for newer players. It was like, oh, I didn't realize that was a thing you could do. That's pretty cool. Um, shooting phase is pretty straightforward. It's a you go, I go system um, there's ready fire which means basically if you readied in the movement phase you get to shoot first and then fire at will means anyone who didn't ready in the movement phase gets to shoot last uh, 
in a nutshell. So one of the things you can do in the movement phase is just ready a model, which means they'll be one of the first to shoot in the shooting phase. There's a bunch of loadouts for range, visibility, weapon types. Uh, check those out. Be very aware of what each does. Um, don't get caught with your pants down. Um, the most important thing in this section is obscurity. This is something that's very powerful and very potent for newer players to learn. Um, you can obscure your models with other models. You, as long as basically any part of your model is obscured, not counting weird things like, you know, antenna or, um, oh, just weird weird shenanigans i guess wings and things like oh this one feather is a, a visible it's not obscured like uh, obscurity gives you the ability to stay alive longer and makes you harder to hit um but just because one model is obscured doesn't mean another model is obscured so you you learn as you play the game how to sequence your moves so that the right amount of models are obscured in the right places so your opponent has the least uh, amount of opportunity to shoot you for free with no penalties so um, that's just something you should definitely be aware of and you're going to want to practice 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 making sure all of your guys are obscured they have the best line of sight humanly possible down the field um, but there are no uh, open lines of you know shooting where they have no protection you want to be as as very good about that as you possibly can um, the other thing you want to look at here in the shooting phase is the injury roll. Uh, this is something we talked about earlier in episodes that wasn't clear and people were like, hey, Sugi, you're saying it wrong. So the way an injury roll works is your opponent rolls to hit, your opponent rolls to wound, then if those are both successful, you roll an armor safe. If you fail and you take a wound and your wounds are reduced to zero, the attacker rolls a die on the injury chart. There's an injury chart here that tells you how all these things work. I'm not going to go into it. Uh, just make sure the attacker is rolling the injury roll. Um, like I've said before in previous episodes, if you're playing with friends, you're trying to play for the sake of time, um, you're you know playing open play where things don't matter, uh, you can roll your own injury roll. Just be aware that you know your opponent can re-roll it with tactical re-roll if they want. It's one of those things where like you probably should play it the way the game is written. Um, but if you're you know, really good friends with these people and you're trying to speed through the die, they can just roll, roll to hit, roll to wound, you roll an armor save, you failed, you roll an injury roll, you check this injury chart, is your guy dead? Great. Is they, are they, do they take a flesh wound? Great. And do what needs to be done. Um, but the rules do state that your opponent, the one shooting you, rolls the injury roll. Or if you're shooting them, you would roll the injury roll if their wounds are reduced to zero. And then there's a bunch of rules about that. Mortal wounds and vulnerable saves. Check all those out. Um, fight phase. Uh, similar to the shoot phase, there's a hammer of wrath. Did you charge? You get to go first. Uh, were you charged? Fight for your lives. You get to go last. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, that's the too long, didn't read the TLDR version. Uh, it's more complicated than that. But... Uh, the thing that you really want to look at is in the morale phase. Now, this is more of a strategy and a tactic than a new player tip. Um, but if you read how it's worded, uh, check if your kill team is broken in the morale phase. If all models in a kill team currently have flesh wounds or shaken or out of action, it's broken automatically. Otherwise, if more than half of the models in your kill team currently have flesh wounds or shaken or out of action, it may be broken. You roll 2d6 and do a thing. Um, I'm not going to explain how all of that works. The reason I read what I read is the rules specifically say if more than half of the models in your kill team currently have uh, you know, flesh wounds, they're shaken or out of action. What's important about that is you want your kill team to be an odd number of models. And here's why. If you have four models and two of them hit those prerequisites, two of them have flesh wounds or two of them are shaken or two of them are out of action or one is a flesh wound and one is out of action or whatever. Uh, at that point, you have to do a break test for your army on a leadership roll of 2d6. But if you add a fifth model, then you have to lose three models instead of two before you start taking break checks. So if you see where I'm going with this, if you have seven models in your kill team, you have to lose four before you take a break check. If you have nine models in your kill team, you have to do five, so on and so forth. So this is not clearly explicitly, you know, screaming from the hilltops, hey, run an odd number of kill team models if you can. But it's something I've learned from watching interviews, seeing professionals play. They always try and squeeze that extra model 
out of their army list so that not only can they have one more wound on the table, but it makes break checks that much harder because instead of being in the bracket of, you know, two, four, six, eight, you're now in the bracket of, you know, three, five, seven, nine, eleven, where you're pushing that one model and forcing break, le break checks to be that much harder. What's even more interesting is if you have like a seven model kill team and your opponent has a six model kill team, uh, something you can really focus on is trying to get three of those models to either have flesh wounds be shaken or out of action because you can force your opponent to break a lot quicker and believe it, eventually one of these times they're going to fail the break check and it's, it's a very, very punishing um, disadvantage if an army is broken. And that is a strategy you can try and use to win the game uh, in the long run. Sometimes you might be facing off like you have a bunch of Imperial Guard or Orcs or things. And, you know, you don't have super strong models, but you have a ton of models. If you can focus on, you know, say you play like Death Guard and they bring like five Plague Marines. Okay. Or even if they bring four and some Poxwalkers, like all you got to do is get rid of you know three models and then they start having to take break checks and eventually they're going to fail so it, once they fail then they're super uh, inefficient they're they're very bad at shooting and, and wounding and hitting especially if they have extra flesh wounds it makes their lives miserable and at that point it's just going to make it very difficult for them to catch up to you because if you're not broken and they're broken you automatically have an advantage and you can just push through and win a lot of these scenarios or it's so advantageous that it makes you know your life a lot easier because you're hitting and they're not um but in the morale phase that's one of those weird little nuances in the rule book that uh, it doesn't really proclaim this is something you want to do and this is something i highly recommend to players uh regardless of your level of play like comp competitive open play, match play, uh, try and always have an odd number of models in your kill team just to push that advantage to keep yourself alive just, just that little bit extra. And it really does come in handy, believe it or not. It's not one of those things that you're just kind of going to say, oh, well, I don't really need this. Like you, you, you really want it to, to come together. Um, and then we're just going to kind of wrap up the show. I've had a, uh, a lot of people ask, what do I do now? Hey, Sugi, I bought this army or my wife or my girlfriend or my significant other or my friend. They bought me these models. I'm now playing this kill team. I'm playing Tau. I'm playing you know, Imperial Guard. I'm playing uh, Space Marines, blah, 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 blah. Like, they all ask the same thing. Like, what, what do I do? Is there like a, a loadout that's better than the other? Uh, is there something I, I should play? What should I do? Um... My, my very first answer to that question is try it all. You've got a brand new box of models. You've got tons of options. Um, if you need to, proxy. You know, there's nothing wrong with buying some of the, you know, easy to build models for 15 bucks and saying, hey, this intercessor, although the model doesn't specifically have it, um, I'm going to try out the uh, auxiliary grenade launcher. I'm going to try out the stalker bolt rifle. I'm going to try out the auto bolt rifle. Like, if you're playing with friends in, in a non-competitive environment and you just want to play the game, then play the game. There's no one who, realistically, there shouldn't be anyone during a casual or an open play game um, getting in your face about, well, it's not WYSIWYG, which stands for what you see is what you get. Uh, you know, that model only has a bolt gun. You can't use a, a stalker bolt rifle. Okay, bro, just don't play with that person. Um, myself, my friends, uh, casual people, tournament people, we all do this. We, we all do the exact same thing. Um, we have a bunch of models, and we will proxy like crazy. We will bring the wrong model with the wrong weapon and just say, hey, for this game, this model is only this weapon. It's a primary space marine, even though it's like an orc. Um, it's got this gun, even though it only has like a knife. And this is what we're testing out. Okay, sure, whatever. Um, there's nothing wrong with trying out proxies. There's nothing wrong with trying out different weapon loadouts, different stats um, as you play the game, because that's the point of you know a game is to play the game. Um, it, it can be competitive, and I know a lot of people are like, well, Sugi, you know these games are you know, tournament friendly. You can be competitive. Yeah, you can, but you don't have to. And I think sometimes a lot of new players come in and they think, well, I I'm afraid to go to my local scene because everyone's so competitive. 
not everyone's going to be competitive, and they should have open play. They should have casual nights. Um, even the competitive players in any game, Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Games Workshop, Kill Team, 40K, everyone has a casual night to test out things for competitive play, where they're going to have proxies, they're going to try lists, they're going to try new powers, they're going to try all kinds of new things to see what works and what doesn't. So, when you're playing Kill Team and you ask your friends, Reddit, me, Facebook, hey, what do I do? What's the best thing? My answer is 100% of the time, play like five to 10 games. Just try stuff out. Don't feel the need to consult a tier list. Don't feel the need to copy the, you know, best player in the world's kill team list. Don't feel the need to copy, you know, a giant professional tournament list. Just play with things you want to play with. Hey, this Reaver and a Grapnel Launcher looks super fun. Play with it. Uh, do you have to build it? No. Um, it's not uncommon. I've done this a couple times where I'll have one or two models that I didn't glue the arms on. Like, there's plenty of guns and things, so I'll have, like, you know, this guy has a weapon, that guy has a weapon. Um, but I'll say, you know, this guy has nothing on his arms, so for this game, he's going to have this loadout. And I'll write it down, and I'll show my opponent, or just tell them, hey, this is what the stats are, whatever. Um, okay, sure, whatever. Try it out. Boy, that sucked. Okay, definitely not building that in real life, so I'll try this loadout. And then game number two, it's like, well, that's a little bit better, but it's not what I'm looking for. Okay, well, here's another loadout. Try this. And then once you find that specific loadout, then you can glue those arms on your model, and you know, you're know you comfortable. You don't feel like you just threw together a model off the sprue, and then you realize you know, in a game, you're like, oh, man, this is terrible. What have I done? Like, You don't have to do that. There's no pressure. There's no wrong way to play the game. Kill Team is a lot of fun. Kill Team is great with friends. Kill Team can be uh, as competitive as you want it to be, but it can also be as casual as you want it to be. And that's kind of the cool thing about Kill Team is because it's so quick, because it's so flexible, um, because it's so short, it can be whatever level of game you want it to be. There's no wrong way to play it. Um, the rulebook has, you know, open play, match play, narrative play. You can just it's as creative as you want it to be. There is no limitation. Never feel like, wow, my friends got me kill team, but I have to play competitively because that's the only way to play. Like that is not true. There are so many ways to play. There's fun ways to play multiplayer ways to play one-on-one -on -one, competitive, non-competitive, casual narrative, you know, like a, like a D and D experience. Um, there's, there's so many different things you can do and it's a disservice to you to try and limit yourself to a single box and say, well, I have to play match play, I have to play competitively, I have to play all these things. You, you can if you want, but you don't have to do that. You are not forced. Uh, the Games Workshop rulebook doesn't you know, reach out and grab your throat and go, all right, you're going to play it this way, and if you don't play it this way, we'll kill you. Like, that's, that's not how that works. Um, so for anyone who's listening and they go, what should I do? What should I play? What's the best list? You can consult the lists. But the reason why I say you should play your list your way is because even if you carbon copy the best player in the world's list, you're not going to have the experience and the understanding to pilot that list properly. And what's going to happen, because I've seen it happen a million times, you build the list, you take it to the table, you play somebody, and you lose. And there's a lot of different things that can happen. Some people get upset. Some people say, well, this list is wrong. They lied. Some people say, well, uh, this list sucks. I don't know why, you know, how they won with it. And the reality is people who are really good at these games, it comes from experience, it comes from playing the game. And that's kind of one of those, I don't know if the word is misnomer. It's, it's a deceitful perspective for um, any player to try and hype up this list, this list, this list. You got to play Harlequins with these weapons and this and this and this and this and this. Well, the reality of it is you need experience. The fun part is in order to gain experience, you have to play the game, which is why you have models and a rule book anyways, is to play the game. So I always recommend play the game, have some fun, try new things, win a couple games, lose a couple games, take notes, 
learn. What did I do wrong? What did I do right? Does this model work well in this situation? Should I put this model over there? Should I move them over there? Should I have a different loadout? What's a good counter to this thing I'm afraid of? Uh, what is my MVP? What is the model I really like and what do they do well? What are their strengths in what situations? What are their weaknesses in what situations? Like start to analyze all the different variables, all the different parameters, all the different perspectives of your kill team. Find the weak ones and try and make them better. Find the strong ones and start to tighten those up and use them as frequently as you can. The thing is you'll never experience that information. You'll never learn these things without playing the game. You can't take a list, plop it down on the table and instantaneously know how it works, when it works, where it works, why it works, all those things. You have to learn it. You have to organically grow as a player and mature as a commander. So the answer to your question, hey, what is the best thing to do? What is the best list to play? The best answer to that question is whatever you feel like right now for this week, for this game, for this specific instance. Try it. Does it work? No. Okay. Find what does. Find what doesn't. Put the things that do work on one side. Get rid of the things that don't and start to make adjustments and keep tightening up that list. Keep practicing your skill. Learn how all these little things kind of come together and you'll become an excellent general commander whatever you want to call yourself as you play but the reality of the kill team lists are as a new player or even as an experienced player it comes like you know finding that perfect quote-unquote perfect list finding that super ultimate amazing list comes from just practicing 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 playing the game theory crafting talking to people on forums on reddit on facebook uh, i'm a part of an excellent Facebook group. It's called Kill Team 40K. All in word and then the 40 and the K, but they're they're just the the admins are super nice. I'm an admin. Um we are player friendly. It doesn't matter if you're a competitive player, a new player, casual player, if you're just a hobbyist and you don't even play the game, you just want to paint and talk about Kill Team. Um we are just super open to anyone and everyone coming into the group, talking about it. Um, throwing up ideas, observations, thoughts. People throw up battle scribe lists all the time. Hey, here's my list. Please critique it. And you know, five or six people who are you know experts on that list on that army will say, well, this is good. This isn't good. Uh, this one model with this weapon works well against these matchups, but it's really um, you know weak to these matchups. And you can kind of build this really neat community with some really cool people. Like I said, it's called Kill Team 40K. Um, all one word. And that's the reality of becoming a good player is finding yourself a group of people who are better than you, who are passionate about the game and who are kind about it too. You know, don't, don't surround yourself with, with a-holes and, and douchebags. Like, that's not a pleasant experience. No matter how good they are, you don't really want to talk to people who belittle you and talk down to you. You want to talk to friends. You want to talk to cool people who are like, hey... I played that list like three weeks ago, got my butt hand to me. Here's what I figured out works. Here's what I figured out didn't. And then like you can take that information and, you know, some of it might apply to your meta. Some of it might not. And you can make tweaks and adjustments and then come back and say, all right, um, you know, you're playing against Tyranids, but I'm playing against Necrons. Uh, here's the adjustments I made. What do you think? Well, you know, this works against that, but this doesn't work against that. Resurrection orbs and the blah, 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 blah. And you can start this dialogue and more people can come in and join. And it's this really fun experience with, you know, community and growth and excitement and trying out your game. And of course you play the game and then you come back and you give them a bat rep and you go, well, this worked and that didn't work. I won, but barely. And I think I can improve this. And then, you know, they go, okay, well, what about this and that? And you're like, well, what? I didn't even think about that. Blah, blah, blah. Like it's a very exciting experience. You don't get that if you just show up on Reddit and go, what's the best list I can play? And someone goes, here's the best list you can play. And you go, that's the list I'm going to play. We didn't learn anything. You didn't experience anything. You just took some text on a paper, threw it together, and you may win, you may not. But, like, the fun of Kill Team, the fun of wargaming, the fun of anything is doing it yourself. I mean, for, for me personally, it's doing it yourself. Like, learning, growing, maturing, going on that journey. The journey is exciting as well as the results of said journey. I, I would never want to play Warhammer if I personally, if I just showed up, took a list, went to a tournament and won. It's like, oh, okay, cool. I just won with this guy's tournament. I took off the internet. Okay. Like for me personally, I want to struggle. I want to be challenged. I want to 
find things that work, find things that don't, strengthen my gaps, and grow as a tactician. And that just comes from playing, which is really great because, hey, this is a game. It's meant to be played. So I, I know I'm rambling a lot, but I, I cannot express how important it is to understand that it's not for everyone. Some people want to show up, find a list, play a list, and that's it. There's nothing wrong with it. I will never say that there's any wrong way to play 40k unless you're like hurting people. Um, that's a wrong way to play it. But the majority of players from the people I've known, the way I've played, the people I've met, when they show up and they ask these questions, they're not asking necessarily what is the best list so I can just win every time. They're asking what is the best list how can I be a good general? Why is this list good? What does the list represent? What do these units represent? What do these weapons represent? It's a much larger question asked in a very tight amount of text. So I would hope, you know, too long didn't listen. I would hope that if you've gotten this far, you would understand that going to your local store and playing, forging relationships, making new friends, winning games, losing games, having fun is a part of the experience that this book in my hand has to offer. Um, when I look at Kill Team, the rules and the models, I don't just see plastic. I see an adventure. I see uh, friendships. I see people. I see conventions. I see painting and hobbies and podcasts and so many more things. It's not just, here's a model, that's it. I see this long, long story. And I've been playing Warhammer for years. Um, gracious, it's been almost 10 for me. Um, some of my best friends were groomsmen at my wedding. And this is all, you know, personal stuff. But um, the reality of it is, it's a, it's a game that's kind of a really cool part of your life, if you want it to be. Um, I'm a gamer. I'm very much into hobbies and telling stories and creating content and bringing communities together. So this is kind of what I do uh, professionally. And that's not what everyone does. And I do understand that. But um, games for me have always been about meeting new people, playing the games and having fun. So for anyone who's new, who's just looking, going, I don't understand everything. Uh, where do I go? What do I do? Absolutely do your homework. Uh, please, 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 please feel free to ask me questions. Squad Tactica is the name of the show. We're on Facebook at Squad Tactica. You can leave me an email at squadtactica at gmail.com. If you have any questions, please feel free to ask. I will get to them as soon as I possibly can. I do get a lot of questions, but um, we answer them on the show. We answer them on private messaging. We answer them in emails. There is a plethora of information. Like I said, check out Kill Team 40 k the Facebook group. There's quite a few hundred people. So if you have a question, I can't answer it. Go there. Send, tell them Sugi sent you. Ask the question there. There's people on there from across the world all day, every day. Someone will jump on and answer your question. Never feel alone. Never feel like you have to do this by yourself. There are so many pieces of information all across the world, there's you know Reddit, Beasts of War, Daka Da. There's there's a, just a bajillion places you can go. Never ever feel alone. We we here at Squad Tactica are here to promote community, bring players together, and make these games fun. Have fun with so many amazing people, and that's just my big excitement about Kill Team. And what makes me excited for all the new people who have joined is. It's one heck of a game. It's fun. It's fast. It's cool. Uh, unlike, you know, big 8th edition, you have very few options, comparatively. Um, all those games have a full codex, whereas you might have a few entries. You know, Plague Marines and Poxwalkers for the Death Guard. That's it. Um, you know, your Space Marines have four. Your Imperial Guard have a little bit more. Your Death Watch has significantly less so do gray hunters um but the fun thing is you can run multiple kill teams for not very much money i think i have like six or seven and i'm not saying you have to buy them but the nice thing is you can always expand you can always go okay i'm, I'm not interested in this anymore i want to try something else okay buy a box of this buy a box of that you're done very simple 
So thank you so much for listening. I love Kill Team. I love the community. I love the people. I'm very passionate about uh, miniatures games, not just Kill Team. I love Kill Team, Warhammer, um, War Mahords, um, Monster Apocalypse. I, I love. I'm want to try Bolt Action again, and Flames of War. Like I, I am. You know, Legion, all, all that stuff. I love minis because it's just a really fun community of people, and that's why we're here that is why squad tactics is here is to promote an amazing game with amazing people and have a lot of fun so i'm gonna shut up and wrap up this show check out our sponsors they are amazing people they have amazing products battlefoam.com they make great foam cases for kill team i mean they make foam cases for everything like there's that new um, Song of Ice and Fire game I just started getting into. Those models are sick. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm on the fence, I don't really know. It's hard plastic, and they're already pre-modeled. There aren't very many mold lines, and it's not an expensive game to play at all. The the Compared to Games Workshop, everything is expensive, but Song of Fire and Ice, uh, they've got foam for that. They've got foam for Star Wars Legion, for X-Wing, for War Mahords, 8th Edition 40K, board games, Destiny, all, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Battle Foam has what you need for the games you're playing. And if you're listening to this Warhammer Kill Team podcast, you probably have some Warhammer or other miniature stuff that you want to protect. Check out Battle Foam. They have amazingly well-priced stuff, great shipping, great communication, great products to keep your investments protected. If you're going to buy more stuff... Hey, you got Christmas money and you're listening. Check out DiscountGamesInc.com. Jay from Discount Games Inc. can tell you how to save more than 15%. I love their stuff. High quality, excellent product. I, I can't speak enough about it. It's like so great. It's like it's not like the Amazon of Wargaming, but it's pretty freaking close. It's not they don't have the two-day shipping, unfortunately for free uh, like prime does i'm very spoiled by that but man if you have a question they'll answer it if you need product they'll have it and um it's just a very pleasant experience overall so thank you so much for listening um we will have an episode uh, hopefully next week for new year's but um there are some very exciting things coming up in 2019 that i've been working on very hard behind the scenes that we're going to be announcing very soon so thank you everyone for listening we will see you next time and as always Keep on killing them.